0: This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt.
1: And I'm Kelsey.
0: This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to Main Corpse. Um, we're doing something weird today.
0: We are. There is a. We have a special guest here with us. Do you want to explain who it is?
1: Yeah, his name is Tucker, and um, I'll describe what's going on here in a second, okay. um, but one of the places that we're trying is really, really important to me that we talk about, oh. and one of the things they do is dog treats.
0: Amazing. So Tuck is going to get an amazing dog treat here, I think.
1: This is a, um, this is a pumpkin dog treat. Do you want it? (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) Let's see. What's he think?
1: Is that? Crunchy? It's pretty good.
0: He's tearing it up.
1: Yeah. Do you like it?
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go, my boy. There is right. uh, there is Tucker's review of the uh, the dog tree.
1: All right, come
0: on, Tucker. <laughs> I think that was a glowing review. I agree. From, from Tuck. All right. So, do you want to explain what what yes. he just tried? Yes. So
1: this is um this is a fundraiser for um someone I'm acquainted with we work together it's called freya's cookies and freya is a dog that is currently going through training to be a support animal okay yeah and so the fundraiser is to raise money to help put her through school oh that's cool yeah yeah so um she makes human cookies dog cookies and horse cookies Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we don't have a horse to try the cookies.
0: We do. You should have told me. I wouldn't want to record a horse episode. Shut up. I have a million friends who have horses.
1: I hate it here. I didn't know.
0: I, easily personally, made that happen. I
1: personally do not own a horse.
0: I, I personally don't either. I just know lots of people. I did. I had a horse one time.
1: I also had a horse one time, Matt. Yeah, I once, don't know, like. You
0: know? <laughs> well i'm just saying i did it was cool
1: congratulations i'm happy for you (laughs) matt our uh, resident horse girl
0: his name was crockett
1: crockett that's a cool horse name yeah he was. all right so anyway (laughs) what we have here are part of the current menu that she's making um she makes a different menu for every season she's working on her fall menu now i told her it's august it's too late she's she's missed her window for fall probably
0: we need to try those whenever she has them out
1: um yeah for sure always i love cookies um but right now she has sent snickerdoodles and peanut butter cookies uh what do you want to try first
0: um i am a so i'm a huge fan of both of these types of cookies so i'm i'm just gonna try them in the order that you stacked them and the snickerdoodles on top so let's do this thing all right smells really good
1: it's surprisingly good because i hate snickerdoodles I like the base cookie. Yeah,
0: me too. I love snickerdoodles. This is a very, very good snickerdoodle. Like, this is a let's go from one to 10. This is a seven. This is a seven okay. on Snickerdoodles. And that and I'm harsh okay. when it comes to those. That is a very good cookie because I agree with you. The base is what I love about it. Yeah, the base is nice and like soft and buttery. It's very buttery. And that's mm-hmm. that's why I mean it's it's really sticking there. It's butter heavy. Um, I wish there was a little bit more um, cinnamon on there. I think that's why I like it. Because mm-hmm. I don't like the yeah, cinnamon I love heavy sugar cinnamon. part. So so either way, this is yeah. absolutely excellent. I'm looking in the bag and I see that some are a little more cinnamon heavy. I probably should have told you ahead of time to give me one that was like coated with it. That's um, fair. The cookie itself, like a 9 out of 10. As a snickerdoodle, I'll give her a 7 out of 10 and say you should absolutely get these I think if this you base like cookie
1: would be really good as like a sandwich cookie. Oh,
0: absolutely. With
1: like jam and buttercream in it. Without the
0: cinnamon part. All right, we're going to stop, and we're going to go get jam and buttercream, and we're going to test that right now, because I, I just, you know, I just, I need to try it for science. Okay, you for know? science. Yeah, I gotcha. For science. All right, so now you want to try the peanut butter one? Yeah. Oh, it just looks like a very good traditional peanut butter cookie. It smells really good.
1: Personal review on this one. I love it. It's a really good peanut butter cookie. I would have taken it out of the oven like a minute earlier. I think it's too crunchy.
0: The taste is excellent. Mhm. That is a very very good. That is a very good tasting cookie. I agree with you on the on the crunchiness. Um I like mine Some people I mean,
1: like crunchy cookies. We're just not those people, man. Yeah,
0: I'm just not. I am a um I am very 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 much not a crunchy cookie fan mm-hmm. but i will say that i've been coming into the the crunchy cookie thing a little bit more recently um i found some crunchy ones i like a lot this being See, i think
1: this would be good in like dipped in coffee because it's so crunchy oh, yeah. it's almost good. like
0: biscotti Actually, levels uh, also for science um let's go ahead and brew up some coffee Get the buttercream and the jam out and let's make some, you know, let's make some science here. See,
1: what Matt doesn't understand is I actually have like raspberry buttercream in my fridge right now and can
0: make all of his dreams come true. Yeah, we we should stop recording and I'm telling you we should go do it right now. But we we don't have to because we do have a story to get to. Yes. Um, so all
1: right. there's lots of um, ways to get a hold of Taylor. We're going to put that in the show notes as well as um, our Facebook page and all of our other social media so that you guys know how to get a hold of her. She does ship some of her cookies. Right now, she's not doing chocolate chip cookies because it is the dead of August. Mm-hmm. So, fair.
0: Hi, uh Taylor. I'm Matt. I want a box of cookies. Um, I, I'll get a hold of you, and we can talk. <laughs> um, I need a box of cookies, and I need some treats for my dog, too, because she's also... And um, apparently,
1: you need a horse cookie. A good dog. And, well,
0: I mean, I... I don't have a horse, uh, but as, as a man who has owned a horse, I am kind of an expert on them. Um, I know they have four legs. Um, they have these things called hooves. And mane and tail, that's uh, shampoo <laughs> that you can use on them. And uh, the one horse that I had, he liked carrots, and he was a good man. Did he like the sugar cubes, too? I never gave the horse a single sugar cube. It
1: sounds to me like you were a bad horse owner.
0: Well, I mean, I'd say my parents probably gave them the sugar cubes, so I didn't mm-hmm. have to. But uh, mm-hmm. that's just, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't like the way they licked my hand when I had to give them sugar cubes. So I would always do the carrots and the apples. But, you know, as a horse expert, you yeah, so. know.
1: I hate you. All right. Are you ready to get into this today? <laughs> yeah. So I don't have to talk to you anymore? Yeah, let's go. Okay. I'm so excited about this episode. I've been working for it like on, for this for weeks, for weeks. Okay. Um, and I've been telling Michael as we go how <laughs> excited I was to share this episode with you. And I have a feeling you're already going to know all about this episode. Okay. And if you are, awesome. All right. But if you don't, I'm going to feel like the smartest person in the world. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. Augusta Wilhelmina Lurk was born in 1878. I decided to go way, way back like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of eight children. Her parents were German immigrants who left their homeland in Prussia as part of the great Lutheran exodus of the mid-19th century. And I don't know a lot about the Lutheran faith, so I'm taking this on a grain of salt. Um, but it said in in my research that old Lutherans tend to teach that every human thought and deed is infected with sin and Sinful motives. Um, that's really, really important to how this story kind of plays out,
0: right? But that, see, but that's not a bad thing because I think that is true. But like, yeah, it's cool.
1: <laughs> and they also taught that because of this, all humanity deserves eternal damnation in hell.
0: Okay, that part's not cool. <laughs> the part about all of our thoughts being infected with sin—kind of cool.
1: Makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So. On December 11th of 1900, she married a man named George Gein. Two years later, she'd give birth to her first son named Henry. Um, After some time being with George, she realized she'd made a mistake marrying him. However, due to her strict and increasingly fanatical religious beliefs, she was unable to leave him. And at this point, she began to despise all men. It was reported that she dreamed of having a little girl, but when her second son was born, she just, she was sad and vowed that he would never be like any other male. And Ed quickly became his mother's favorite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I take it you already know where we're going. Mm-hmm. How excited are you? I'm um, so excited about this. this. Is
0: This is one I've considered a few times. Yeah. Um, it gets... There is so much depth um, to to the story of Ed Gein that um, it, it's really hard to figure out what you want to cover. So I'm anxious to see what you went with here. This is going to be good, though. I was I was literally just talking like just before we recorded this about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and you know that that's where I, I yeah, do. Yeah, I do right.
1: indeed. Um, I I have spent the last week listening to. Um, What is it? Dead skin mask by Slayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While I was working on this. um, Yeah, you
0: know, you know, they used to play that at Raiders games. Of course, they did. Yeah. Also, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not the best movie about Ed Gein. Correct. What is? Is it Psycho? It is not Psycho. Which one is? I think it's Deranged. Okay. I think it's Deranged. It was directed by Alan Ormsby. We'll get into that later. Go ahead. This is this is fun.
1: Okay, so Augusta was extremely religious. She spent a great deal of her time preaching to her sons about the immorality of the world. Um, It included the evil of drinkings because their father was an alcoholic. And her belief that all women, although she did not include her righteous self, were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. She was also extremely overprotective and babied her second son, who grew up to be shy and sensitive, also worshiping his mother. George continued to be a raging alcoholic, whom his wife hated. Um, He struggled to keep jobs. He worked various small jobs um, as a carpenter, a tanner, and an insurance salesman, which, what a
0: 180. Yeah. (laughs) He was like,
1: man, I'm so bad at doing these jobs with my hands. Maybe I can sell insurance. I don't know. He also owned a grocery shop, but um, being a savvy businesswoman, his wife immediately took the reins and turned her husband more into an employee rather than a partner. She managed to save enough that she purchased a 155-acre farm in Plainfield, which would eventually become the Gein family's um, permanent residence. She utilized the isolation of the farm to what she felt would be raising her boys right. She turned away any outsiders that might have influence on her son, and the Gein boys were only allowed to leave the farm to attend school. Otherwise, they worked on the farm. In school, Ed was extremely bullied for his shyness, having a lazy eye, and he also had a growth on his tongue that affected his speech.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter. To make matters worse, Augusta punished him whenever he did try to make friends. Despite his poor social skills, he did really well in school, especially in reading. Um, every afternoon when the boys would return, Augusta would select various verses from the Old Testament and revelations concerning death, murder, and divine retrib- retribution um, and used these passages to support her lectures on the evils of drinking and women. Anytime Ed attempted to make friends, he would be scolded and she, um, Augusta would tell him that that person came from a bad family and then remind him that he didn't want to be a loser like his father. <laughs> She'd also tell him to remain loyal to her and he should always remain a virgin because sex was sinful and would lead to eternal damnation. Through her lectures, she convinced Ed that all men were weak and he would dream of becoming a powerful female like his mother. After eighth grade, he dropped out of school to become a full-time farmhand with his brother. In April of 1940, Ed's father, George, at the age of 66, died of heart failure, more than likely caused by his alcoholism. Ed and his brother began doing odd jobs around the town to help cover living expenses. The town considered them both to be generally reliable and honest. The brothers both worked as handymen, but Ed also really enjoyed babysitting, as he seemed to relate more to children than adults. See, like I'm sitting here and I'm reading this and I get that hindsight is twenty twenty, but there are so many red flags at the
0: beginning of this story. Yeah, there there are so many red flags to to Ed Gean, but I mean, let's let's be honest. He he might be the um Ed might actually be like the origin of what we consider red flags. And I, I, I genuinely mean that because after what happened with Ed gene, um, his story and what he went through and what created him became such a part of our popular culture um, mm-hmm. that, that it was that it's almost like he is the to me, he's the archetype. Um, that we look at when we talk about serial killers,
1: oh yeah, for sure, and, I mean, and the thing the thing is, and we'll get into it a little more later, he can't actually de- be defined as a serial killer
0: yeah it's 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 so it's you're right,
1: so Henry, his brother, began dating a divorced mother of two and he planned to move in with her while he was making these plans. he started to worry about his brother's attachment to their mom. And in order to hopefully change his brother's opinion, he often spoke ill of Augusta in front of Ed. Ed, however, responded mostly with hurt and shock. On May 16th of 1944, Ed was burning away marsh and vegetation on the property. The fire then got out of hand and it drew the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, after the fire was extinguished and the firefighters left, Ed reported his brother missing. A search party was um, put together to look for Henry. Although Ed reported his brother was missing, he was also able to lead searchers directly to the body of his brother, who had apparently been dead for quite some time, and it appeared his cause of death was heart failure, probably. The police almost immediately dismissed the possibility of foul play, and the county coroner later officially listed Asphyxiation as his cause of death. No official investigation was ever launched and no autopsy was ever performed. Ed and Augusta were at long last finally alone. A short time after Henry's death, Augusta had a paralyzing stroke and Ed devoted himself fully to taking care of her. While she declined in health, he avidly began to read to keep himself busy. He read books about grave robbing, head shrinking and human anatomy. He also became interested in reading pulp magazines, which were inexpensive fiction magazines that were published from 1896 to the late 1950s, taking a special interest in those that involved cannibals and Nazi atrocities.
0: Yeah, some some of those pulp novels, there are so many things that got lifted out of them. Uh, by, by, um, things that we love today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, including uh, superheroes, like some, literally some stories that Superman gets into and the Batman gets into lifted straight from those, which is, which is crazy to me. Um, those were like the beginning. I mean, it makes sense. I have a few of them. Of course you do. I do. I have those and I have some of the, uh, the yellow, um, the yellow novels that Giallo films are based on. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I know right. a little bit about this part. Do you? Do yeah, you know a little, a, bit, about a little bit about it? A little bit about it. This is really cool. Hearing it come, like hearing you tell the story, um, you're you're coming at it from a way different angle than I would have. And I'm going to be honest, you were the right one to do this because your angle is much more interesting. Go ahead, though.
1: I I'm really glad to hear that. You it's feel really like cool. I'm doing this no, well. it's
0: really cool. Yeah, I, I'm loving this.
1: So Augusta suffered a second stroke, (coughs) which began a rapid decline of her health, and she died in December of 1945 at the age of 67. Ed was devastated by her death and was, for the first time in his life, completely alone. He continued working odd jobs for money, and though he kept the farm, he boarded up rooms in his home that had been used almost exclusively by his mother, including the upstairs and downstairs parlor room preferring that they stay untouched. 18 months following her death, Ed began making late night visits to his mother's grave where he eventually dug her up, removed her head, and took it home to shrink. In 1951, he received a farm subsidy from the government and occasionally picked up work for the municipal road crew and crop threshing crews in the area. He became transfixed with a shapely bar owner who ran Mary's Tavern. In December of 1954, Mary disappeared from her establishment. Police found blood on the tavern floor and an empty bullet casing. The following day, while working an odd job with another local guy named Elmo Uick, um, they were discussing the disappearance, and Ed said, Oh, she's up at the house right now. Elmo assumed he was joking and brushed it off. Mm. November of nineteen fifty seven, Bernice Warden disappeared from her job at the hardware store that she owned. Um a resident of the town reported that the store had been dri- the um hardware store's truck had been driven off from the building around nine thirty that morning. Her son ended up at the store around five PM. It was the first day of hunting, so she would have it open, he found it very strange that it was closed, and he'd been gone all day because it was the first day of hunting. When he arrived there, the register was open and there were bloodstains on the floor. Frank Warden told investigators that on the evening before, Ed Gein had been there asking about pricing on antifreeze and saying he'd return the following morning for a gallon. The final sales slip written by Warden that morning was for one gallon of antifreeze. That evening, Ed was arrested. The county sheriff's department began their search on the Gein farm. The property held a two-story farmhouse. Attached to it was a woodshed and a room known as the Summer Kitchen, which contained a pot-bellied stove. Peering into the room, Sheriff Arch Shaley and um, Captain Lloyd... Sir, I'm not even going to try your last name. (laughs) It's Schifester.
0: Um, yeah, Schofister? Shofi- yeah, something like that. We'll,
1: we'll just go with it. Yeah. That's the only time I have to mention <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> anyway, they found a butchered body of a woman who had been disemboweled, strung upside down on a block and tackle with a rod through her ankle joints. Upon entering the kitchen, they found the woman's head in a sack. Her organs were in a bucket, and a saucepan on the stove held her heart. bernice warden had been dressed like a deer her cause of death was a shot from a 22 rifle and all other mutilations were determined to have been done after death though elmo had originally thought gene was joking about mary her head would be discovered in a paper bag in the gene house he would later tell the police that he'd stayed behind drinking with mary until her bar closed when no one else was around he'd pulled the blinds put a 32 Mauser pistol to her forehead, shot her, placed her body in his truck, and took her home. Searching the whole home, authorities found quite a few things, and I'm going to go ahead and just list them here. Whole human bones as well as fragments, a waste basket of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedpost, female, female skulls with the tops sawn off and bowls made from human skulls, A corset made from a female torso that had been skinned from the shoulders to the waist. Leggings made of human skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Her heart in a plastic bag in front of Ed Gein's potbelly stove. Nine uvula in a shoebox. A girl's dress. And it appeared it would have been from someone around 15 years old, a belt made of human nipples, four noses, a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, a lampshade made of a human face, and fingernails from female fingers. Upon investigation, the police determined that Gein had peeled skins from the face of corpses and utilized them as masks. Soon after his mother's death, it seems he had begun to create what would be called a woman suit so he could become his mother and literally crawl into her skin. All of these artifacts were photographed at the state and sent to a state-of-the-art crime lab to be decently disposed of. While being questioned, he told investigators he'd made as many as 40 trips to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in what he called a dazed-like state. He said about 30 of those visits he'd come out of his days while he was there and left the grave in good order just to return home empty-handed. On the other occasions, however, he dug up the graves of recently buried um, middle-aged women that he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. He admitted to stealing from nine graves and led investigators to their locations. Alan Willemsby, Willemsky, there we go, of the States Crime Lab participated in opening three test graves. They chose to dig three of the graves because they weren't absolutely certain with Gein's build he'd be able to actually dig up a grave in a single night alone. Um, however, he had robbed the graves soon after the initial funerals mm-hmm. while they were still incomplete.
0: Yeah, while they were still, it was like still half, easy to dig. Half yeah, done. correct.
1: However, all of the graves were as um, Gein had described them. Two were found completely empty, one contained a crowbar in place of the body. In the last grave, Gein had made sure to leave all of the valuables behind. He denied having ever had sex with any of the bodies, explaining that they smelled too bad. During his questioning, (laughs) the sheriff reportedly assaulted him by banging his face into a brick wall. And due to this, his original confession was ruled inadmissible. His trial was held November 1st of 1957, where he was arraigned on one count of first-degree murders. He pled guilty by reason of insanity. He would be diagnosed with schizophrenia and found unfit to stand trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, a maximum security facility in Wisconsin. He'd later be transferred to the Mendota State Hospital. His possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th of 1958, and there were rumors that the house may become a tourist attraction. In the early hours on March 20th, the house was destroyed by a fire. A deputy fire marshal reported that a garbage fire had been started about 75 feet from the house by a cleaning crew. Arson was actually suspected, but the cause of the fire was never officially determined. It might be noted that the fire chief was Frank Warden, the son of Bernice Warden's last victim. Or, sorry, Bernice Warden, the last victim. While Gein, um learned of the incident in hospital, all he had to say was just as well. His 1949 Ford sedan was sold at public auction for $760 to a carnival sideshow operator who charged carnival goers 25 cents to see it. It wouldn't be until 1968 doctors determined Gein was finally mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his own defense. Before his trial, Art Schley, the um, sheriff from the original case, died of heart failure. He was only 43. Many who knew him said he was so traumatized by the horror of Gein's crimes, between this and the fear of having to testify, especially regarding his assault, caused his death. One of his friends is quoted in saying he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. Gein's new trial began November 7th of 1968 and lasted all of a week. During the trial, a psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Gein testified that while he was examining um, a gun he, in the store, he was trying to load a bullet and it discharged accidentally killing warden he said he had not purposely aimed it at her and did not remember anything else from that morning at the request of his defense attorney dean's trial was held without jury he was found guilty on november 14th a second trial dealt with dean sanity after testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense he was ruled not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered to be committed back to Central State Hospital, where he would spend the rest of his life in mentally, in a mental hospital. Gein died at the Mondota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure on July 26 of 1984. He was suffering from lung cancer at the time. Over the years, people have come to his grave marker in the Plainfield Cemetery and chipped pieces of it to keep his souvenirs until the year 2000, when the stone in its entirety would be st- stolen. It was recovered in June of 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and then was placed in the county sheriff's department storage back in um, Wisconsin. The grave remains unmarked to this day, but it's easy to find because it's right between his parents and his brother. Now, <laughs> I chose Gein because I think he's extremely interesting He's the part of true crime and serial killers that really, really fascinates me. Now, here's the thing he's not considered a serial killer, and I told you we'd talk about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The FBI originally defined serial murder as involving at least four events that take place in different locations and are separated by a cooling off period. In most definitions now, however, the FBI has lowered it to three events as of 1990. And he's only been confirmed to have killed two people, mm-hmm. but he is suspected of upwards of five murders.
0: I Yeah, and the evidence that has kind of grown up for, on, on those other ones seems very compelling. Um, yeah. But I mean, we can't... There's no proof.
1: Well, there's, And how, how would we
0: correct (laughs) yeah it's the the thing with Ed Gein is he he is um he he might be the one that I point to whenever I whenever I think about um serial killer culture like people who who um not are interested in serial killers but love serial killers like the serial killer groupie types um I look at Ed Gein because if you go to, I go to a lot of like horror movie conventions and things like yeah. that. Um, I love horror films. I love scary things. But in almost all of them, you will find people trying to like sell memorabilia um, related to serial killers. Um, you'll find people who claim they have pieces of wood from Ed Gein's property. Um, I've seen people who claim they have pieces of his gravestone, and they that try one's to sit, They try to sell them and things like that. But I always, I and and I've actually. Got gotten in not not hot water but i've i've gotten some nasty looks from vendors when when they're selling that i'm like well didn't this house burn down and they're like well not everything on the property burned down and i'm like so that's not even charred or anything and they're like it's from his house and I'm like oh okay alright cool and I just walk away because I'm like I know like it's just I know it's a piece of wood you broke off at purely, Home Depot. Come purely on. exploitative you know what yeah. I mean like not even Home Depot they just went out and like got a piece of barn wood and shipped it away and, and you know put it in vials and it says Ed Gein's house you know. Yes. Yeah. I've seen people sell dirt from his property claiming it's from his property um, and I mean like not cheap either like yeah. 20 five thirty dollars for a vial of dirt and i and i see people walk up and buy it and i'm mm-hmm. like man this is like I, i'm like you i have always been because we've talked about this yeah. before there's a whole website mm-hmm. dedicated to selling things
1: that serial Supposedly killers are belong doing
0: to serial killers yeah
1: no it's art from oh, them. art yeah and like Don't you remember yeah and,
0: yeah oh my god, letters letters yeah um it's so the reason i became um early on uh, i won't say obsessed with ed gein but very enamored with the story of him mm-hmm. is because of his impact on popular culture i mean you can name there there are four films that i love that i love psycho
1: yeah i think this is super funny because i am like three paragraphs away go, from us talking it. about <laughs> go ahead
0: go ahead i'll stop i'll stop go ahead
1: all right We'll get there. Don't worry. I just want to talk about the other murders that he was okay. suspected of. Go for it. Um, one includes the 1951 disappearance from plane, from a Plainfield bar where two men disappeared and no trace of them was ever found except for a single jacket found near the Gein property. Um, a neighbor actually complained around this time of a terrible smell coming from the property, but it was never investigated. Mm-hmm. And in 1953, a 15-year-old girl named Evelyn Hartley was abducted while babysitting in La Crosse, Wisconsin. She left behind signs of a struggle at the house, and there were pry marks on the windows. It happened that Gein had been visiting a relative a few blocks away at the time, though he would later deny involvement, and he did pass two, you know, very, very super-duper um, solid... Uh, lie detector test regarding the case, so he has to be telling the truth. Yeah. See, I, I personally, I find Gene really, really fascinating psych- psychologically. He may have been being genuine. Maybe his mother really did imbue enough trauma on him that he didn't know how to function as a person without her, and his brain did the only thing it knew how to do, and that was cope.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I would, be, I would, I would buy that. I yeah. would buy it. I mean. Why, why not? When you hear what he was put through, I get it.
1: All right. Now, I also chose him as a subject because he brings to the table everything that Matt enjoys about crime. Yes. And that is pop culture.
0: Yeah. The the uh, the impact of, of true crime on pop culture. And I mean, mm-hmm. you, okay, if you don't have the story of Ed Gein, you don't have the slasher subgenre, which is my absolute favorite because you don't have Psycho exactly that. um well and
1: that started as a novel
0: yeah started as a novel and it was adapted and it is it is a great adaptation it came out in 1960 off the top of my head i believe um and uh so did so did peeping tom which are the two movies that are most cited as as the ones that influenced um that influenced the slasher genre then you have i mean you have three landmark films and when i say landmark i mean changed the way horror films are made that Mm -hmm. are all based around ed gein um and it's psycho Mm -hmm. in 1960 texas chainsaw massacre in 1974 Mm -hmm. and then the silence of the lambs um he's literally made in, in the movie, he's literally making a suit out of women's skin, uh, yeah. which is definitely influenced by Ed Gein. And you're talking about three films that not only were great films, one actually won an Academy Award. I would argue the three of them should have, but one won an Academy Award, um, and and made Jonathan Demme one of the greatest filmmakers to ever live. Uh, so and you and you have three film careers that were just that are that are pigeonholed by those movies. Alfred mm. Hitchcock, psycho. That's what people think of. Toby Hooper, everybody thinks of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though he did make Eaten Alive and he did technically direct poltergeist. And then you have Jonathan Demi too. So sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, you're totally fine. I just have a list of things that he Go ahead. I want to hear
0: it. All right. So obviously
1: Psycho and Deranged, we've brought both of those mm-hmm. up. There was one in two thousand called In the Light of the Moon. I haven't watched that one,
0: but I, I, know. I do know about it.
1: A 2007 um, The Butcher of Plainfield, and my favorite on this list, um, Ed Gein, The Musical, from Ed- 2010.
0: It's very real. I've seen I've seen clips from it, but I've never yeah. watched all of it.
1: But we can't forget House of a Thousand Corpses mm-hmm. and The Devil's Rejects. He also served as inspiration for Leatherface, Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. um, Garland Green. Castillo Sermano, Otis Driftwood, and the character Doctor Oliver Th- Thredson from the TV show American Horror Stories: Asylum. Yep. And like I said, I've been listening to Dead Skin Mask from Slayer's 1990 album, Season in the Abyss.
0: Season in the Abyss, one of the greatest metal albums ever made. I had
1: a feeling mm-hmm. that you would be very proud of me.
0: This is this is uh, this is the episode. This is the Kelsey episode. This is my favorite Kelsey episode ever. Yes, it just won. It just took the top spot over Radon Faid? Yeah, honestly. Oh dang! Even even over. Did you do Bum Farto or did I? I did. You did. Even over Bum Farto. <laughs> and Bum Bum is one of my favorite episodes. So yeah, I would I would highly recommend anyone that's interested in horror cinema to learn more about the, the story of Ed Gein. Uh, because without the story of Ed Gein, um, horror history looks a whole hell of a lot different. I mean,
1: it definitely. So that's the thing. I had no idea before I took this case on mm-hmm. how much he had influenced. Like, I knew that Ed Gein for sure, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But yep. the further I got, de- like into it, mm-hmm. the more I was like, oh, okay, yeah. This is this literally shapes. The whole reason we're sitting here yeah. talking about this today.
0: Yep, um, I, I mean, Psycho literally upended horror cinema, and, and and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It changed the way people made movies. I mean, it yeah. was it really it really changed the way people did things. And Silence of the Lambs, if you didn't have that, you don't have uh, all of the all of the modern takes on serial killers. You because yeah. it, it wouldn't have been popular. Um, silence of the lambs started something and i I would argue technically manhunter was before that but silence of the lambs was the landmark i mean it was was there and i will again die on the hill that deranged um is the most underappreciated of all i have never seen it um i'll bring it over we need to actually you know what we should do yes um that one is streaming for free on tubi i just checked we should invite some of our followers to do a watch along of deranged with us
1: i think we should definitely Um, do that the
0: zodiac killer is also on there from a very early main corpse episode and we should also check that one out all right um so yeah deranged if you don't want to watch it hold off and maybe maybe one night we'll do like a live tweet along with it or something and see if anyone wants to join us let's do it yeah all right. all right, I think that's all we have. That is all I've got on number this. one Kelsey episode ever. Boom! Thank you. Love it.
1: Um, stay creepy, but not that creepy.
0: Don't be Ed Gein creepy ever, ever.
1: And for the love of God, do not do that to your
0: kids. And dude, go listen to Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. It is a great album.
1: Yeah it's it's been a it's been a fun week for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> my office mate is very confused by the music coming out of the office yeah. though.
0: Love it. Alright, <laughs> say creepy you weirdos.